With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Introduction music, which had been the same from the beginning of the show of its beginning, beginnings, MSG. This, however, is the new introduction that Connor has created for us. It's a little bit cleaner, a little bit more country, and it's a little bit more bantering the blue shirts. And I hope you all appreciated it. Connor Murphy, thank you. Your payment is in the mail. And by that I mean don't look in the mail because you won't find anything. I am your host. <laughs> Joe Fortunato joined by Beth Macklin, Mike Murphy, and surprise guest, Mika, hockey stat miner. How are the three of you doing? Someone I was wondering if anyone something. was hoping you were going to say Mika Zibanejad. No offense, yeah. hockey stat miner. You did hold well, that a little long before you brought it, in the second half there. It's kind of awful because now everybody's expecting Mika Zibanejad and not just. Anyway, they're here. None of them answered my question because they're horrible podcast co-hosts, but they're here. I'm I'm still really distressed by the Bob McKenzie Twitter image thing. And I'm trying to get you out of my ear. <laughs> you can't. I'm in your ear permanently, at least as long as you're on the line. Um, this is the final show before the 2017 NHL trade deadline. Uh, as fate would have it, our show next Wednesday will be the day of the trade deadline. The trade deadline, uh, I believe, is 3 o'clock. So we'll have a lot to talk about or nothing to talk about at all. Who knows? Next week. But this week is the week where we take, get to take wild guesses as to what we think is going to happen. And that's exactly what we're going to do. And that's why Mika's here, because he is our residential blue shirt banter trade expert. Um, last week was uh, a no. positive podcast, and I think we're going to make this a positive podcast as well, because... That's Mika sounded surprised by that title. What we do. Well, I don't know positive why he would podcast. Be, the positive podcast. That's what he is. Yeah, that doesn't make a word. Never mind. Go on. Um, podcast. All right. I guess we should at least very quickly discuss the past week or so of actual Rangers hockey, where the Rangers look pretty good. Um, they beat Washington. Washington was coming off a game the night before, but uh, probably a pretty good effort all around from the Rangers. I thought the Rangers played a really good game yesterday, lost in the shootout, but no harm there. Uh, here's, I guess, something that I want to touch on. I think it is hysterical, and I talked about this in the notes a little bit, that Rangers fans look at Montreal and think, oh, God, that's a matchup we want in the first round of the playoffs. 
Montreal fans look at the Rangers and think, oh, my God, that's a matchup we want in the first round of the playoffs. Who is right if either side? Mika, you're the guest. You get to go first. Hmm. Well, if it's relative, I think you want to play Montreal before you play Pittsburgh, Washington, maybe even Columbus. Um, so in that sense, it, it is correct. I, I made a point about this where it, if, if they want to go through the Atlantic bracket, um, through the number one wild card, that's okay. And that is, I, I, I don't think it's wrong to say that is a better route. But as long as you're honest about the chances, that's going to bump the Rangers' cup chances it will increase those chances, but we need to be honest and say, okay, you know, it's not going to go from 10% to 15%. It's going to go from 3 or 4% to 5 or 6 or 7%. So as long as we're honest with what the chances are and how the chances are affected, it, there's nothing wrong with the idea that Atlantic is easier, but how this team is going to win four playoff series uh, with the roster they have now and who knows next week, um, I, it, it's almost – you know, do you want one lottery ticket or two lottery tickets? That's 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 kind of what it boils down to. Mike. Well, we're right back into negative podcast. I like it. Um, <laughs> I I don't honestly, you know, I don't want to be this guy, but I don't feel comfortable speaking <laughs> from the perspective of Canadian fans. Um, I haven't been able to watch. Uh, too too many of their games this season outside of when they've played the Rangers and a couple other Metro teams. So um, I know that they uh, were really kind of crapping the bed um, once, you know, after uh, everyone getting excited about Price being back and uh, Shane Weber with power play goals and all that. But, um, you know, and I know the Radulov experiment uh, worked, worked out, even though I was one of the people who really didn't think it was going to work out. I uh, still don't know how they're going to get him back next year, but that's a whole other can of worms. Um, I am kind of in agreement with Nika. I don't, I, I don't know. You know, there's there's no one in the East right now that's going to be in the playoffs that I want the Rangers to play. But that's just kind of the nature of how good the East is, especially the Metropolitan. So if it, if they have to go through anyone, I wouldn't mind it being you know, the Atlantic teams, just because it is, you know, you know, kind of a road with a couple less scary options in it. But it also might be a case of, you know, we haven't seen as much of the Atlantic teams this year. I mean, I know, like, Ottawa doesn't scare me. Uh, you know, Toronto and Florida certainly don't scare me. So, um, and I know that Boston isn't isn't out of the equation yet. Um yeah, Montreal is can be spooky, and you know it, it was one of those games where, really, I think that game could have went either way. But I, I didn't have too many huge complaints about how the Rangers looked. Um, I only got to pick up uh, the game at the second and third period, though, so I might have missed missed out on some things. But yeah, I don't know. Um, I would say that if they do go up against, you know, if it's between the Atlantic and the Metro, I think it's. Pretty obvious. Give give me the Atlantic. Beth? I don't know. I mean, it'll be what it was last night. It would be the, you know, Lundquist and Price show. Um, 
and whoever's having the slightly better day, um, you know, that's who's, I mean, I, I think it is funny that everyone has the, the, the two sides have the same perspective of, of wanting to play each other first. Um, I will say that that <laughs> watching it, I, I'm very careful about making fun of other teams defenses for obvious reasons, a uh, position of insecurity myself, perhaps. Um, and the hats on that Rick Nash goal, I think I'd still be screaming if our defense had played the way that they played Nash on that. If you watch that, it, it looks like they don't even know he's there. And he gets that gorgeous pass and goes right down the middle. I, I think one of them even turnstiles or something. It's embarrassing. Um, so when I see that, I get a little bit optimistic. Usually uh, usually I'm just watching my own defense do things like that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would be – it would be goaltending, and may, maybe they were saying that when when Lundqvist was in a bad stretch or whatever, if they're saying it now. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't mind. I think it might be a better case scenario, like Nico was saying, certainly, than, uh, than other than Pittsburgh or Washington. So, I, w- I mean, it's a series I'd like to watch. I know that. So I'd like to say I resent Mike for saying we were immediately – delving into the negative podcast because I, I don't think this is necessarily a negative conversation just to, uh, it could, I guess, come from a negative place. But I think all of you said pretty much what I said, which is uh, I agree with you, Beth. I would, I don't like making fun of other teams because um, more than likely my own team's backyard is a mess. So whatever. Uh, I think I would rather play Montreal simply because I don't want to play Pittsburgh or Washington. And, that's just what it is. It's pick your poison. But that's <laughs> the one thing about the Canadians that really scares me is price. And I think you saw why last night. Um, but overall, I think the Rangers match up better against them than say Washington or, or Pittsburgh. And maybe that's a state of where the team is right now. And, and maybe it's not, but it's where we are. So positive, positive podcast. Um, I guess that brings us to the point of we're reaching the stage in the season where if Jeff Gordon, who has been ominously silent to this point, is going to do anything for this year, he needs to do it within the next week. Um, We're going to get into Kevin Shattenkirk a little bit later, but for right now, Mike, you talked about some of the trade targets you think the Rangers could make in terms of D-Rentals that aren't Shattenkirk. Is there anybody that sticks out in your mind? Well, it's an interesting... uh... Interesting thing. I, I wrote the uh, one up today on the banter about the other rental uh, D that are out there that are, aren't Shattenkirk, just because it's it's so clear that Shattenkirk is the you know the golden ring, and then you know there's a lot of lesser precious metals. You know, there's like tungsten, you know, tin. Um, <laughs> you know, so there there are some guys. Well, it's a fun word. It's like uh, the Latin name for lead is plumbum. It's one of those things that just sticks in my head. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a couple guys who are interesting. I think the name that comes up for a lot of people is uh, Cody Franzen. Um, I think there's there's other options out there that are worth looking into. But the real question, um, and it's then I don't think it's negative. It's more just reality. Is you know if if the Rangers do bring in a rental, whether it's a Shattenkirk, and I know we'll get into that later, or someone else like. A friend or 
you know, just uh, like a Mark Streit, even though, you know, he'll, that'll never happen. But, you know, another guy on the blue line, you know, do we have any confidence that it would be it would be done the right way, you know, if that player would be utilized the right way, especially after we saw how uh, the whole Keith Handel situation played out. But, um, yeah, I don't want the Rangers to trade for Matt Hunwick. Um and I'm very glad that they lost the, the stone sweepstakes, as it were. Uh, there are a couple of guys out there that are worth, I think, making calls about. I know that, you know, there are some younger D in Anaheim that may or may not be available. The last we heard, they weren't available. Um, they're not really rental guys, but they are guys that, you know, we touched on last week about, you know, the Rangers moving Grabner in our um kind of hypothetical there but yeah there are plenty of guys out there and the thing is with the trade deadline it's even guys who teams don't think they're going to part ways with if the offers are good or if the market you know if there's a lot of demand for all of a sudden right-handed d or left-handed d or d that can move the puck you know teams will if they're not making the playoffs they have very little reason to hold on to guys on expiring contracts so especially with the expansion draft. In many ways, there's more incentive to sell um, than there is in normal years. So uh, I don't know. There is a market out there. Uh, I'm not sure there's a lot of guys that speak to me um, in particular just because, like I said, I I don't know. I don't know if I have the confidence that Vino and company will do you know, the right thing with an asset they bring in after the way they've handled uh, Clendenning and not resting Girardi as much as they said they would and all that stuff. So that's my two cents on that. Mika? Uh, Mike's a very smart man. <laughs> no, uh, he occasionally is. Uh, <laughs> um, no, Cody Franson is someone who I think would make a lot of sense, a right-handed Offensive-oriented guy. He's a rental. He's going to be unrestricted free agent in July. Uh, you know, that's that's kind of the Shattenkirk light route that you can take, um, which it it would make a lot of sense if Jeff Gordon is going to repeat last year's spring idea of you know he's like I, I do not want to give away a first-round pick. You know, he'll give away Alexi Sarala and three second rounds or whatever it was, but. Um, if that if he's sticking to that, then obviously you, you would assume that if Shattenkirk isn't going to come cheap, you know Cody Francis is a great name that would make a lot of sense. Uh, you know, obviously Buffalo is probably not going to make the playoffs. Um, I think they have probably like a five percent chance or something. Um, but going to the expansion, uh, which I've I've been all boned up about for a while now, um, but a lot of people <laughs> think you know. They think, they think. Okay, well, you know, teams like Winnipeg or Nashville—they have four quality defensemen, you know—and you obviously want to protect three, so you get to protect more forwards. But you can protect four defensemen if you want, and then you give up forwards. Um, so people kind of think of the high names there, like you know Truba. But what teams could also do is they could just trade lower guys. You know, instead of Winnipeg trading Truba, maybe they trade Tyler Myers or Toby Enstrom. Um, you know, maybe Nashville doesn't move Yossi. Maybe they move, uh, well, I guess Ekholm and Ellis are pretty good too. But the point is that you, when we talk about expansion draft and the moving pieces, um, it, it may not be the big names moving is what people have to understand. 
it might just be a bunch of little pieces moving to accommodate the big pieces staying. Um, so yeah. in that sense, there are, there really is a lot of options. Um, I don't think teams are pressed to make expansion-savvy moves now because they could just as well do it in May or June. Um, it'll tie to teams that are competing for the Cup now that are kind of squeezed for defensemen in June, but and that's really, you know, and that's not a lot. Um, but I think Franson is, is a very practical and reasonable and, uh, you know, very logical name or someone of that effect uh, if, if Shattenkirk isn't going to come. Beth, do you have anything to add to this? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Um, I've been on the bus of, or at least the bandwagon of, I don't want a rental. I think if the Rangers are going to make a rental move, Cody Franson is probably the way to go. And he's certainly a cheaper uh, asset than what it cost to get, say, Eric Stahl last year, which, like Mika said, was Sorella and two second-round picks. Um, that worked out. I, uh, yeah, I don't like <laughs> yeah, the I idea for that reason. Yeah, I almost did one of my reason. screens again. I don't but think I heard Franson, that they're dangerous. I don't think Franson gets the Rangers that much closer to a cup, especially if he's not going to play a top four role. And let's be completely honest, who is Vigneault going to replace in this lineup? Um, maybe it's Klein, and that would be an upgrade within itself. Maybe it's Girardi. We know it's not going to be. But is Brady Shea going to lose? those looks in the top four, if he stays in the lineup, is he going to be someone who sits because he's not a veteran presence? And I think that's a valid question when it comes to who the Rangers are going to require and how they're going to use them, because we saw with the end of what happened and that's reality, whether negative or not, that's reality. So I'd prefer the Rangers to avoid anything like that. I think stone was a player that I could totally see the Rangers targeting they did not. That was a good thing. But I think his price may have driven down and kind of panicked St. Louis into the rumors that we're sitting at right now, which I guess will drag us into Shattenkirk. Um, as it is, I'm bringing Jack McKenna onto the show, even though he deserves to be fired for their Brian Leach in a Maple Leafs jersey today in Bantering Points. Jack, who's going to be fired? How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, Joe. How about you? I'm surprised my photo didn't get a nice reception. I was surprised. Yeah, it's great. Um, All right, so the rumor that came around today was that the Blues are willing or supposedly willing to move Shattenkirk for a prospect, a second-round pick that's conditional, and in the event that Shattenkirk resigns with the team, it becomes a first-round pick. Now, there's a lot of smoke here. It's still a rumor. We'll keep that in mind, but... Mika, well, actually, Jack, since you were you were waiting, I will let you jump in and have the first thought on that little conversation. I mean, it's the same thing it always has been. Just if you can lowball them and get something like, say, maybe drop in a second-round pick, something along that line where you're not losing a top prospect or a first-round pick, you make that move. If it's anything more than that, you don't make that move and you go after someone like a Franson or a Josh Manson from Anaheim. So even though the Stone trade might have rearranged things for the rest of the league. I don't think it really changes how the Rangers should approach the Shattenkirk situation. Mika, I'll let you jump in here because I know you have thoughts on this. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of funny. The it's a it's a prospect, quote unquote, a prospect, and a second rounder that'll turn into a first rounder conditionally. Um, that is pretty much the exact same trade that uh, when the. Dallas got Chris Russell. 
They traded a second and uh, Yoki Paka, and I think a throw-in. And the second round would become a first round if Dallas made it so far in the playoffs or something. So I'm skeptical of, of that, uh, of that like measurement, because is, is Shattenkirk really going to go for the same relative package in 2017 as Chris Russell did in 2016? Even if there's you know there's different markets and supply and demand, and you know someone could overvalue Chris Russell, but it it just it would it would be very surprising um, for something like that. Um, you know the quote unquote prospects part. You know, are we talking Ryan Grapp or are we talking, you know, Bushnevich? Um, it, 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 that seems like a very nice deal, and I, I got to say, you know, it would be tempting. Um, something to think about for sure. But I, I, I'm very skeptical that Shattenkirk would go for that low. Bushnevich yeah. in a second would be tempting to you? No, 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 just, just the idea. Just of, a second you know, and a, a prospect, I understand. Yeah, like a grop or yeah, something. I, I'm saying when, when St. Louis says that, you know, what is their prospect? You know, I, I don't know if – I don't know. If, I think it will be closer to Buchnevich than Grop if you're only giving up a second on top of that. Um, I, so I'm, I'm a little skeptical of, of that uh, measuring stick going around now. But, um, you know, if, if it is that case, then it's something to look at, even though I totally agree with you, uh, Joe. Uh, I'm, I'm not really – Attracted to the rental, go for a cup run uh, idea that that some people have right now. Mike, since you were the one who was looking at anti-Shattenkirk ideas, what do you think of the actual Shattenkirk <laughs> idea? Um, it's, it all comes down to price tag, really, and just from what we've seen, um, players of Shattenkirk's caliber. You know, he, he checks off a lot of spooky things for what his potential value is. You know, he plays, you know, he's under 30 years old. He's having a career year. Um, I believe he plays the right side. Uh, you know, he has all these all these little factors that will inflate his price. You know, he's a guy who also, if there is any sort of conditional pick for resigning, it's no secret that the Rangers are going to be pretty hell-bent on re-signing him. So um, I'm also of the opinion that it's as good as Shattenkirk is and as you know, tantalizingly talented as the team has looked at times this year, it's not worth further gutting the very, very, in my opinion, meek prospect system right now. Um, you know, there are some guys that it can be the Rangers – can easily afford to part ways with, and there are guys that are currently on the roster um, where that's a similar story. But, you know, when we think about you know, names like Buchnevich or, um, you know, young guys who are here now like Miller and stuff, you know, those are guys that, you know, I'm not sure they're, that's worth, you know, an extra couple months of, of Shattenkirk and, you know, a, a playoff year that, frankly, and I don't mean to boil this down to one guy because that's not the case here, but you know, so long as there are players on the team that are, and it's not just that they're on the team, it's the way they're deployed and the minutes they see, it's the role they are given by the coach. And, and in Dan Girardi's case, it's you know top four minutes and top, top pair of shorthanded ice time. So long as that's the case, it doesn't matter who you bring in. Um, if you don't fix the problems that are already here, you're not going to fix it with this asset you bring in and expect suddenly 
you know, Girardi does start being better at, you know, shorthanded ice. And uh, again, I, I, I want to reiterate, I don't mean to say something like, so long as Girardi is here, the Rangers aren't going to win a cup because that's not true. But there is some truth to him being part of or a very good, you know, he's the epitome of mismanaging players, um, not just in terms of contract, but in the role they're asked. And because those problems, and they're pretty real, we talk about them all the time on the podcast, but because they're there, why the hell would you give up assets and picks for Shattenkirk when it's not going to fix anything? We saw a player very similar to Shattenkirk with Yandel, and we saw how the Rangers use Yandel. You know, this is a lesson I think the Rangers already know, like, and it really shows that they didn't learn much from it given how they, they use Yandel for the, you know, the season and the quarter that they had him. So, um, I'm definitely not on the, you know, rental Shattenkirk train. Beth, are you on the rental Shattenkirk train? I'm not on the rental anything train. You're with me. The rental. It's a fun, it's a fun little train to be on, I'll tell you that. No, no, just, I don't know. Just after, I mean, I can't claim to be an expert on what all the implications would be, but I think it was a debacle. I don't see the go-for-it mentality this year that they were trying to convince us of last year and yeah I just and I don't I mean I don't want to give anything up for that kind of temporary boost that you know as Mike was saying is probably not going to be a boost um if the boost isn't all right I'm trying to work out some sort of up down analogy here and it's not working out but yeah if if the boost doesn't actually solve the problems that we're still ignoring so yeah I just I'd have a hard time being convinced that a rental situation was a good idea. Um, so, I mean, I'm going to say that I'm in the camp that the Rangers should be shrewd sellers this year, and I know uh, Arvor Green agrees with me in the chat, in that I, the Rangers are not necessarily Stanley Cup contenders. They're Stanley Cup hopefuls. I know Big uh, B12 is a big... Um, not to use the word big too many times, but he's a, a big believer in it's Jeff Gordon's job to make the Rangers as good as possible as soon as possible and not necessarily worry about whether or not he thinks the Rangers are cup contenders or otherwise. But I think it's a crucial part of being a general manager is knowing when to say, okay, we can't go all in for the fourth year in a row and ding, 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 ding. This is the year that that should be screaming to you. Whether you like it or not, a guy like Michael Grabner is probably going to get taken in the expansion draft, either him or Ranta. I think the Rangers should at the very least cut their losses and see if you can't get a long-term solution for Grabner. I'm not even necessarily talking about a first-round pick or a prospect. I'm more talking about seeing if you can't get a good, young defenseman for a guy like Grabner. And if it's not out there, then it's not out there. I mean, is Anaheim willing to to make a move for one of their defensemen. Who knows? Apparently they were looking at Oscar Lindbergh. Uh, there, there's a lot of things in the air. However, if you're going to be of the quote-unquote go-all-in mentality, then going all-in with Shattenkirk is the way to go because this is someone who you'd have to assume is a long-term option beyond when you get him. And that's the most important part about this distinction is, yeah, you're going to keep Shattenkirk long-term rather than, say, bringing in a France and spending whatever, a second or a third round pick, and then him being gone at the end of the year, hopefully with 
more than one playoff win under his belt, a la Eric Stahl. Um, and I think that's yeah. more my concern, is that there are a lot of opportunities for Jeff Gordon to kind of fall into a trap. Other general managers do not throw out life lists. Usually they throw out anchors of their own. And unless you find a way, I would even think about trying to move Grabner and see if he can't get rid of Klein or, or Girardi. And I know the latter is definitely not happening, but there are options out there that at least need to be explored and need to be looked into. And I think the Rangers should have a reasonably good belief that they can get Shattenkirk this summer for nothing. One of the benefits of that is you don't have to protect him in the expansion draft. One of the benefits of trading for him in the first place is if you don't sign him, but you have a deal under the table, you don't have to protect him in the expansion draft either. And I just try to think about what direction the Rangers can go in that does the least long-term damage. Because I think Mika brought up a good point. You have Igor Sheshkarin. Sheshkarin? I really should learn how to pronounce his name. Help me, Mika. Shest Yorkin. Shest Yorkin. Ooh, York. I like that. Like New York. Shest Yorkin. Oh, God. Anyway, um, you have him and you have Ryan Graves. Those are the Rangers' top two prospects right now in that order. Robin Kovacs can't get off the fourth line in Hartford. I have no idea why. He's third. And then from there, the list gets really interesting. And by interesting, I mean not good. So that prospect <laughs> pool as a whole is not great. And the Rangers need to understand that at some point you need to fill the cupboard back up, and you can only do that with draft picks. Right now they have a first-round pick this year for the first time in four years. It's the most amazing thing in the world. You're going to give that up? I think there's a lot of questions to be asked there. And with the idea that I just said about Shattenkirk, if that conditional pick is a, a first-round pick, it's going to be a 2018 first-round pick because the Shattenkirk situation is not going to be resolved before the entry draft. And Mika, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the 2018 draft looks like it's going to be stacked. Oh, I'm not a prospect guy. Uh, I don't know. You have to talk to someone else about that. Well, I'm. <laughs> I don't know about stacked draft ten years from now. I don't know. That's what I'm telling you. It's going to be stacked. But yeah. I, I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think Mike really hit the nail on the head. It, it's almost a two-prong problem. Even if you imagine the best-case scenario, the most optimistic deadline for the Rangers. Um, it's almost like if you have a company that's not allocating its resources very well, and then out of nowhere someone drops extra capital into that company, it's not going to make a difference as long as those <laughs> bad allocation of resources continue. Um, so it, it, it's almost like two, it's, a, it's a two-pronged problem. Um, Mike hit it on the head. Um, and just as a parallel, um, a year ago, like a wearing. You know, a year ago, some of us were saying Rangers should be sellers. They're not going to. They're not contenders. Um, and it was <laughs> it, it was controversial, but it was maybe we should sell Yandel. A year ago, we were saying, you know, pack, how about send Yandel for a package? We're not going to win the cup this year. And if 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 they did that, if they if they if they sent Yandel for a package, and the package was a second round pick and a prospect, um, I, I think that would sound a little light for us. So now that the shoe's on the other foot, this idea of a second conditional and a, and a prospect for Shattenkirk, you know, I, just look at what people have paid for much lesser rentals. Um, I, I, do, do you really want to go – do you really want to in, double down on 2017, which will almost certainly, whether it's draft picks or prospects, 
it'll cut into your 2018, your 2019, your 2020. That's the key. And even if you do that, even if you do that, uh, what what is the ice time going to be from here on out? Is Girardi really going to going to be bumped down? Um, does the front office and coaching staff know that McDonough and Girardi is not the ideal first pair? I, I don't know, but it you, we have to be fair about this, and it it is just it doesn't make sense to me that you would you would trim you know 2018, 2019, 2020, which where the Rangers could really be contenders. I mean they're they're only pieces away. They're a few pieces away, and they have such a young group of, of forwards. I, I really don't like the idea of, in, in any way, prioritizing this spring to the next, you know, few springs. I I agree with the idea of being more cautious, for sure, because I think we've learned that there are long-term implications to some of the decisions that the Rangers have made. And, and look, Gordon and Sather have pulled a couple of rabbits out of their hat with Kevin Hayes and Jimmy Vesey, and, and they've definitely mitigated the blow of not having a first-round draft pick four years in a row. But you only get that lucky so many times. And I know Beth thinks Vesey's the bust, and you know you could throw Buchnevich in there as one of the opportunities that the Rangers were afforded by either sheer luck or unbelievable drafting expertise or whatever it may be. But those opportunities kind of, they start slipping away and not everybody gets them. And to rely on that, I think is foolish. The Rangers have a young core. I think that definitely is part of the reason why their prospect pool is so barren, but what are you going to do? At some point you need to make the distinction between, okay, we really need to win this year and Oh God, we need to think about the future. And right now doing nothing kind of solves both of those issues because you're not getting any worse by doing nothing. You're not getting any better, but outside of Shattenkirk, you're not going to get better really anyway. And I mean, I have my hands up right now. I'm shrugging because it's just where we are. We've talked about this for, I don't know how long Shattenkirk has been on the table for a year and a half. We have stories dating back to last February when it comes to Shattenkirk in New York. This is obviously something that we'd like to, pursue. He's a Rangers fan. He wants to come to New York. Supposedly, there's a lot of smoke there for there not to be fire, but enough smoke that if the Rangers really wanted to, they shouldn't be overly concerned about him going to another team and signing there. But that was going to be my next question. Jack, you haven't spoken in a while. Do you think Gordon needs to be tempted by the fact that, say, Boston could come in and take him and potentially convince him to sign there before the Rangers even get a crack at him? It's a very interesting question. Um, I don't know. I don't see, like, why. Even though the reports of the sign-and-trade have been out there, I mean, I don't see why that should change the whole perception that Shattenkirk wants to come here. It's been the same thing the whole time. We just haven't been talking about it. If Shattenkirk wants to come here and we give him a reasonable offer, he'll come here. If he's looking for the most money, he's not going to come here. So the whole sign-and-trade speculation thing, I don't really think that changes what Gordon should or shouldn't do. I just think as long as you don't give up a first-round pick or some sort of A-list prospect, you bring him in and then worry about extending him closer to the expansion draft. So that's my take on it. Mike, your thoughts on that? I don't know. The thing I keep going back to, and I think it's an important point, is the reality of what the asking price for Shannon Kirk will be. And to me, that's, 
it's so important because before we get off on all the other tangents, you know, <laughs> whether or not, you know, that's something Gordon should do is, you know, while Nico was talking before, I, I looked back to check on, you know, the the Russell trade stands out last last year on the deadline as one of the kind of the bigger D names that moved. Um, I know, uh, you know, Justin Schultz moved and uh, like John Michael Lyles moved and, you know, um, former Rangers prospect Connor Allen, but, you know, those, no one really big. But Russell was Yerky Okutaka, Brent Pollock, who is kind of a middling prospect and a conditional second-round pick in 2016. So how the hell is Shattenkirk going to demand, you know, something that sounds pretty parallel to that? I just don't see how that's going to be the case. Uh, and furthermore, I think we all know that when you have a guy like that, a guy who's that coveted, you know, you're not going to take the first offer that, you know, comes to the door. You're going to wait until the 11th hour when teams are desperate and they start selling more, you know, than they should and, you know, or rather buying more than they should. And the Rangers are already going into next year without, uh, you know, or this draft without the second round pick. And in 2018, they have two seconds from the, uh, the Broussard trade that landed Zabinijad. So, over the next two years, they do technically have, you know, four picks in the first two rounds, but um, would not be in a rush to give up more early picks just to get, you know, just to get someone like Shattenkirk today when I think it, if we're dealing in reality, it's going to cost more than what we'd like to see. Beth, anything you want to add to this topic of conversation? No, I think you guys put it all out there. Who am I missing? Mika, did I ask you? Um, well, I mean, you know, I think I think I'm pretty pretty much in agreement with you guys. Uh, one thing I would also just say is St. Louis can keep them. Um, St. Louis is is their third in their division, and it looks like they're they're kind of like the Rangers of their division. Um, they're either <clears throat> they're projecting to like finish third in the division or the first wild card. They had a nice playoff yeah. run last year, of course. Um, <laughs> They could they could just hold on to him and then trade him in June and you know get a little something. But if if, if they believe that you know they're you know Stanley Cup contenders or pretenders or whatever, it's it's not like they're a basement team and everyone and their mom knows like he has to go. Um, there is the chance that he could just stay with them and not, not be traded until after the playoffs. So that kind of throws another monkey wrench into the gears of. <laughs> Of of the price of, you know, you have to you have to pay enough to get Shattenkirk, but you theoretically also have to pay enough for St. Louis to voluntarily part with him when they're I don't know what the exact stats are, but I think they're like 90% to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, they've had trouble with goaltending, of course, but it, it, it's not like you know we're not dealing with a bottom team here. We're dealing with a team that is very that is very similar to the Rangers in their division, to be honest. So I, I just want to say that. Well, it's very much like the Keith Yandel situation last year, no? When, if you're thinking about trading his rights, which is pretty much what Meek is talking about, the, so here's the difference. If the Rangers had traded Yandel at the trade deadline last year, they probably could have gotten a haul for him. I'm talking picks, prospects, really yeah. whatever they wanted from the contending team. And the best deal they could possibly get 
after the playoffs were over was a fourth and a seventh round pick or a fourth and a sixth round pick. Uh, I don't know, one of them. So you're talking about the – first of all, St. Louis said that they were willing to lose Shattenkirk for nothing and keep him for the cup run. Obviously, they're in the same situation the Rangers are where they're Stanley Cup hopefuls rather than Stanley Cup contenders, and now they're a little nervous about that. And I don't blame them. I think it was George Ranger Smurf who told me you uh, you can't run the Rangers like a, a stock market or a business in that anytime an asset gets too high, you sell it off before it comes back down to earth. And I'm not sure why. I think the Patriots have made a pretty good show of it, and Jack can attest to that, but I'm not going to let him um, the past few years. Yeah, and right. more importantly – you need to take your losses and, and cut bait where you can. And Grabner's a guy I think the Rangers could get a lot for, maybe even a lot to help them this year. Uh, is there going to be an obvious downgrade? Yes. Has he scored 29, 26 goals this year? Yes. Is Grabner going to score that many goals again next year if he stays on the Rangers? Probably not, but you don't know. You, you ha- it's not so knee-jerk. I mean, as an example – Rick Nash goes on the breakaway yesterday for the first time and misses, and everyone's like, oh, this is why you can't get excited about Nash. He's soft and he doesn't score. Rick Nash goes on a breakaway and he scores, and everybody's happy. When Rick Nash wasn't used in the shootout, the same people who were bitching and moaning that he missed on the breakaway the first time because he sucks were angry that he didn't go in the shootout. It's a knee-jerk reaction top to bottom. You have to look at the big picture. And if next year Grabbin only has 10 goals to this point in the year and he's still doing everything else, you're going to have a million columns from beat reporters about how Grabner has fallen off the face of the earth. Yeah, I could see it from here, the year 2017. 2018, Joe will be equally as angry about this. So I think St. Louis is hedging their bets right now. And I would be shocked if they did keep him unless all the offers were absolutely lowball offers and they, they just did it out of spite. But it's clear he's hitting free agency one way or another at least if he stays in St. Louis. And that's a dangerous proposition. It really is. Um, okay. Mike had a good question for our next part of this roundtable. And, Mike, I will let you start since you were the one that asked the question. What is the scariest trade rumor about the Rangers you've heard to this point? Now, I am also going to include players that are not necessarily linked to the Rangers, but players that you could totally see the Rangers being interested in. Um, and as an example to that, like Brooks Light obviously was sent down by the Maple Leafs, but I could have totally seen the Rangers trading for him to have that veteran winning presence on the fourth line. That's not a real rumor, but it's something that I could see and it terrifies <laughs> me. So, Mike, you start. Go ahead. Uh, gosh, I think two that come to mind just by default, um, just kind of shooting from the hip or – a Gimlin and Doan, um, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I forgot who it was. I, I don't think it was Friedman. I don't know why he's coming to mind, but mentioned something about Doan and the Rangers. And, um, you know, in so many ways, a guy like Doan and the Gimla would just feel so much like a, like an even, even worse step than in the wrong direction than someone like Spall was last year at the deadline like you know where where would for that matter pretty much any winger who the rangers been connected to over the age of 30 because one of the rangers greatest assets is their forward depth and speed and adding a guy you know like a mcginla or a doan just because 
you know, they you know, they have a you know a storied career and you know the leadership and the blah and whatever doesn't matter. Like what they would bring is more or less they would be a subtraction to the lineup. It would be you know a, a negative game. It would it would make the team worse and. I'm fearful of those moves only because of what we saw last year with Stahl. And I'm not, I'm not saying Stahl is donor again, because, you know, he's not only about half a decade younger, but, you know, he's obviously still a very effective player as he's proving in Minnesota. He just wasn't right for the Rangers, certainly not at the price that they paid for him, um, a team that already had plenty of center depth. But guys like, again, the Doan strikes me as, huge mistakes waiting to happen. I think a team out there is going to make those mistakes. I'm just really hoping it isn't the Rangers. <laughs> Beth, I'm going to let you jump in on this one. No, you stole mine in the example. I was going to say Lake, and now I guess I have to say uh, worst nightmare, um, and I'd want to say this isn't plausible, but I sort of think anything's plausible sometimes. Is I don't know. Bringing in somebody for grit, hashtag grit. Um, and uh, buckling to all of this uh, the wrong side of the conversation about uh, what the Rangers need right now so I can't I don't even want to speculate on who that would be but yeah since you took my prepared answer before I could even say it uh, yeah I'll say that some sort of horrible atrocious uh, I don't know push things around Um, Jack well, two guys I had in mind that I was thinking would be disastrous that I could see them going after from Vancouver. I could see Alex Burroughs, and from Calgary, no. I could see Dennis Weidman. Burroughs and Weidman. Those are both Ugh. bad things. Mika? You know, it, it completely blows my mind when people look at the Rangers, and the, the thing that sticks out to them is, you know, we got to do something about these forwards. I don't know what planet these people are living on. I mean, you don't need big, tough fighters anymore. If you look at what teams take the most fighting majors, the ones that take the least have been going deeper and deeper into the playoffs the last five years. You, uh, it, yeah, it, it's a total lack of adaption. It's a total... So, you know, all these names you guys don't have. It's just the idea of – and we saw it last year. I mean, last year we said, look, got to do something about his defense. Got to do something about, like, you know, if, if if last year's Rangers wanted to go on a playoff run. And then they went out and got a center. And it was just like, you know, how do you misdiagnose something like that? This year it's even worse. This year it's even more amplified. You have you have forwards that are fast, are scoring. They can They can make up for so much deficiency on the blue line. Uh, so the idea of kind of going there and tinkering there, I, I just don't understand it really at all. I mean, not to say that there isn't theoretically beneficial trades to make in the forward department, but, it, you know, I I don't know why these pe- why some people just think, you know, if the Rangers could go out and get hashtag grit or whatever, uh, it, it, it's got to be defense. And then I guess to answer your question, you know, I, I was really worried about Stone. I, I did not like Stone. His data does not flatter him. Um, <laughs> but, but I just yeah, like 
like Burroughs or Aginla or Doan, uh, I, I, I don't see it, and I don't, I don't see why other people see it. Well, it's mm. something I want to bring up is this year we've heard a lot, especially when the Rangers were struggling or, um, you know, when Henrik Lundqvist wasn't able to, to bail the defense out every night. We heard a lot during intermission on the MSG network, especially from Ron Duguay, about, you know, how the Rangers lacked that toughness and that size. And, yeah. you know, they would play like scrums along the boards and in front of the net, and he would say things like, you know, look at Kreider. He's got to get there faster. Or Kreider isn't the sort of guy you want throwing, you know, throwing fists in a fight and all these things. And at one point, Duguay even called for glass. And that was kind of when I reached my. You know, if it was positive, I was in some sort of fever dream, but you know, <laughs> on ayahuasca somewhere in the jungle. But the the problem is that that thought pattern is incredibly persistent, and it's persistent not just among fans and analysts and the kind of talking heads, but it's also clearly still a part of how people who manage rosters think. Um, you know, there's a reason why, you know, he scored a goal against us recently, which is ironic. But, you know, a guy like Cody McLeod was traded, and he's still viewed as a guy who's worth trading for and worth the Predators, you know, acquiring. It's, you know, there, there are guys out there that do still make a living being a big physical guy. I mean, in the modern game, you need to skate. But, you know, there's still plenty of guys out there who are just – Kind of just, you know, the modern-day equivalent of goon, which is kind of you need to be able to fight, oh, and you can, you know, win defensive zone face-offs, or, oh, you can kill penalties, or it's perceived that you can kill penalties, as, as is the case with Tanner Glass. But um, I think the thing that's so scary, and, you know, Mika's point just reminded me of this, is that, that that thought pattern is still out there because that's the way people still think. Um, and I think the point you brought up about just, I don't know how people can look at the team and say, you know what's wrong here is the forwards. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's so important and so true because when you look at it, there's too many forwards. There's, there's too many options the Rangers have. <laughs> um, like uh, Brandon Peary, we talked about this, you know, jokingly, um, you know, last podcast. He, he hasn't played in 2017. Um, you know, Peary is not – is not a bad player by any stretch of the imagination. He's a guy that a lot of teams would love to have on their third line. Um, and I know I've, I've made that point before, but it, it speaks volumes about, you know, the, it's clearly the Rangers' greatest strength. Adding a guy who's tough or, you know, gritty or God knows what else, or, you know, a guy who's, you know, 39 and hasn't won a cup, and for whatever reason that means he's going to make the Rangers a better team because he's so hungry to win a cup. You know, all those patterns of thought that, you know, the pursuit of intangibles, I think, is a really reckless way to try and, you know, smooth out any mistakes or divots in your roster. You are. So yeah, I didn't even think like of uh, yeah, Go ahead. Yeah. Just real quick. The league operated that way for a long, long, long time. So it, it's, yeah. I, can, I can understand why some people will overvalue intangibles or whatever. I like pursuit of intangibles. It's a good one, um, <laughs> but it, it, it's just—it's it, been so long that like that was just a bedrock of how that's how the NHL works. So it's really just a, a lack of, of adapting, as far as I'm concerned. 
I didn't even think of Burroughs because I put it so far out of my memory that it needed to live there. But Burroughs is probably <laughs> the scariest thing because he was actually linked to the Rangers, and uh, I use the, the term linked uh, loosely because Brooks was simply speculating. But I would say any forward acquisition, just like you guys said, for all the reasons that you said. And I guess I don't really need to go into that in any more detail, but that's the concern. I, I think if Gordon comes in and, and does what he did last year, there's going to be some pretty serious problems, um, at least in terms of the way that we're thinking about how he's running the team and the hopes that this silence is some type of like overseer mentality where he's looking at the big picture and we just don't know what it is he's thinking yet. Because going after a guy like Burroughs for grit, you, the Rangers have better players than Burroughs on the team right now. So why are you going to give up an asset for him in the first place? It just doesn't make sense. Um, and it's terrifying. It is absolutely terrifying. Okay, now I'm going to put all of you on the spot. What do the Rangers actually do? Jack, we'll start with you. Make some sort of minor move without much consequence. I don't think they're going to do any retooling. Maybe they'll ship out Peary for a draft pick or ship out Pumple for some low-tier prospect, but I don't think they're going to do any major retooling. Mike? Uh, they find wherever Maxim Lapierre went and they bring him back. No, uh, <laughs> I think they Is make that this year. Yeah, that was that was this year's training this year? camp. God, it's, God, it's been so long. Holy yeah. crap! Last year, yeah, last year was Matt Lombardi, right? Or am I mixing that up? Yes, this year was Lombardi. Yeah. Lombardi's 2014. God, the oh, Rangers have done some things. Good lord. Um, yeah. Anyway. They find Lapierre on in whatever, you know. I would imagine he's a mercenary somewhere now. Um, but uh, yeah, I would imagine they just make a mistake, but a small one. And I don't say that just to be pessimistic or think of being pessimistic. Just, just going by track record alone, I think they'll, you know, they'll make, you know, a couple a move or two that looks looks sound and looks smart and then they'll make a move where they just kind of can't help themselves. So there'll be a player who's available, um, you know, probably on the wrong side of 32 and they'll, you know, add him and hopefully it won't be something that has a disastrous cost. Beth? Yeah, I'm going to go for something sort of nondescript and befuddling um, and head scratching. I get, I get, I get. The, I can actually see Peary being gone. Um, I mean, who knows what the return will be? It would be like them to get another forward just to like add to the the longest offensive bench ever. Um, yeah, I, I'm not foreseeing anything dramatic. Um, although I wouldn't put it past them to just to surprise us. But yeah, I think something sort of strange and rangerish. You know. Mika? Uh, Ranger thing. Well, it's hard, it's hard to predict. Uh, but I would say this team is on pace right now for 108 standings points. All right? They're, um, they're, if they hold their projection, 108 points. Is, is Jeff Gordon going to look at that and say, <laughs> we can do it? Or is he going to, you know, take the less more? I can totally see – I think the burden 
I'm not say burden. I'm inclined to believe that they're going to uh, shell out futures for something, rental or otherwise. Uh, yeah. That's just my feeling because it's almost like Jeff Gordon failed his first test. His first trade deadline, I think he failed. Um, so what? If he learns from it, that's an important thing. But I, 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 I can't almost, I can't even predict. Like, you know, are are the Rangers aware of what's even wrong with the goddamn team? I don't even know. <laughs> so I'm just gonna go out and say, I'm gonna go bold, and I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say Nash to Anaheim for a defenseman, in some capacity. Holy hell! Ooh, wow! Nash, I'm going big. Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, I'm I think that Vigneault does not know what's wrong with the team because Vigneault recently said that the reason why he's not resting Girardi is because he's playing his best lineup, and that's obviously not true. So, exactly. Um, the, and the Rangers extending Vigneault kind of su- suggests maybe that they have the they same you know, thought process as him. So I, I don't know. I actually, you didn't like it. I like the word burden because there is a burden on Jeff Gordon to prove one way or another that he's not the same general manager, I guess, who traded for Eric Stahl last year. And I think there was at least some defense to who they went after. Um, If they were going to go after anyone, Stahl was the guy to do it. It didn't work out, but I think a smarter general manager or maybe a general manager who – did you think they needed to go all in would have maybe held steady or not really done anything major, and, and we didn't see that. So whether or not he learns from that experience I think will be important. If he goes after a forward, I don't even know what to say. Who knows? It, it'll just be a, a horrific experience, and we'll all run to the bomb shelter, and it'll be whatever it is. Um, yeah, I see. Uh, Rat, I, I I don't want Nash to turn into like Brad Richards. Is he that old? Of course, Brad Richards got a cup out of the deal where he just like goes and plays a year for people, and then moves on somewhere else until he retires. I just that just seems kind of grim to me. Nash is oh. an interesting point in his career where he's making seven point eight million dollars next year, and then he could see. I'm trying to think of a comparable contract. He could see a two or three I mean, year I realize deal. the grim list. The grimness is alleviated by the buckets of money um, right. for the players yeah. themselves. But still, there is something sort of sad about just wandering around the NHL until you can't do it anymore. Just well, walking backwards walk along the highway with a stomach. Sure like he'll be fine. Here. I, don't know. Um, I, I, I honestly think the Rangers get Shattenkirk at the trade deadline. It's just what I feel. But for what? Or, or they give up. I think it's left here. Or they make a move for, uh, or they make a move with Anaheim. Those are my two guesses. Those are guess one and guess two. We got a little negative there towards the end. Mike, bring up a topic for the end of the podcast that will make everybody laugh. No, boy. Um, oh, I got one. I got one. I got one. Okay. Other than you do it, because I was about to say sandwiches. How about all my wonderful picks for bantering points every day, Joe? That's a positive topic. <laughs> all right, that that was the probably the worst thing that could have possibly been brought up. <laughs> That's like someone's house being on fire and me being like, woken "Oh, can up. someone can someone help me put this house out?" And you're like, "Yeah, sure." And then you throw a grenade into the house. That's exactly what you just yeah. Every um, day, Jack. I hope you know I have to take your posts when you decide to just watch the world burn and post it on Facebook. <laughs> and get called pretty much every horrible thing under the sun. Today, I even tried to soften the blow by saying, 
it looks it feels weird to look at Leach when he's not in a Rangers jersey, doesn't it? And I knew even that is still pretty much like throwing a grenade into a nursery. Just it's not going to end well. And Mike, well, gets wait, that. it's better to have a Leach. Ter- it's better to have a Leach Leafs jersey than a Leaf than a Leach Boston jersey. Can we at least give him that? Yeah, but who knows? Oh, yeah, he's in a Rangers jersey, I think. Or USA jersey. Because on Twitter, I get blamed for everything. Mike gets blamed on Facebook. I get blamed on Twitter. Yeah. They want to know. I'd rather get blamed on Facebook than Twitter. Twitter is a lot more personal. Uh, Twitter is a lot more personal. Even though Poor Facebook. Self. Yeah, well, remember when I wrote the Trade Grabner story and Facebook wanted to murder me? That was an interesting Yeah, story. they. Like, mothers of. People who are mothers of three kids were calling you an idiot who should be hit by a truck. Okay. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was interesting, and that's not the first time that that's happened. So I'm ready for it, but uh, it is interesting for sure to have to, to reach that level of anger for other yeah, people. Yeah, it was real vitriol. You, you rarely see real and true vitriol. It was great. Uh, it was great. It was horrifying, but I guess in some ways it was great. <laughs> Um, I meant to tell you all that this show is sponsored by Patreon. You should be a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com slash banter. Here are the people who have been. Anthony Viola, George Lipman, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Osa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Forlenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, Armiel Kissinger, Zachary Zetlin, Igor Zalowski, Arch Williams. I like Arch. Arch is a good name. I think we said that. That's a good name. Um, but those are the people who are sponsoring us, and you should be sponsoring us too, because one day Beth will lick Brady Shea, and when that day happens, we're going to need to get bail money for her, or else she's <sighs> going to be in jail forever. There's going to be a uh, line of people wanting to lick Brady Shea at this point. I mean, uh, he's, probably. He's just coming along very nicely. I was very wrong about him. I think that's what I should say. Quite wrong about the offense that he provides. Bad job. Uh, um, Mike, you mentioned so much I am curious where everybody falls on this. Is a hot dog a sandwich? Jack, you go no. first. No. No. Mike? I think of it more of a salad. No, I think no. when you when you're dealing with sandwiches, you gotta stick with th- things that go in it that are for the most part two dimensional. Okay, good. Or at the very least not phallic shaped. None of you are fired. There are people out there who think that a hot dog is a sandwich and it's not. Because if it was, you would call it a sandwich. You don't say, hey, give me a sandwich. When you're talking about a hot dog, you say, give me a hot dog. It's not a sandwich. God. Although, Mike, well, there that, are a lot well, of phallic sandwiches. I mean, like a hero or a sub sandwich, one could argue. Yeah, but the phallic things that sandwich. go in a hero isn't necessarily phallic. Well, it's kind of shaped like that. I have a question. Oh. No, I'm not saying Is garlic bread half a sandwich? Huh. No. No, because it's not. The type of bread wouldn't make That's a difference. Absurd. That would make toast a sandwich. Yeah, correct. Yeah, that would sandwich. make toast a sandwich. Yeah, and toast is not a sandwich. sandwich. It's an English you know, it's toast half a, half a constructed sandwich. No, I think that's a more important question. Well, well, once you, you start quantifying half a constructed sandwich, you do run into a little bit of trouble. Yeah. And then you round up, and then it's a sandwich. So it's easy. Or you round down, yep. you got nothing. Yeah, you have no just rounds down point five. You don't round down left to the dick in your hand or something phallic. <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, we were talking about phallic shapes. I thought I would throw a dick in there, but now I regret it terribly. Well, now you now you've thrown it in there twice. It's now out there twice. 
Well, um, we have one pick, though. I had nothing to do well. with it. Beth, I'm blaming you. Did you, you, the did you know that you need to, sharks have you need to keep class them track. Drink, which is the equivalent of a penis, and they have two of them. Wait, uh, what? Oh, uh, the sharks have two male sex organs. Anyway. <laughs> we hadn't had the wild wildlife portion of our program yet, so there it is. Sharks yeah. have two. My yeah, question well, about sandwiches was going to be, what's your favorite sandwich? But, I don't know, I took it in a very different direction. Um... Ostrich? Could ostrich be a good sandwich? No. It's a burger. A flightless bird burger? Oh, yeah, that is right. People you can do have an ostrich, ostrich burger. I mean, I don't know why. There are like 87 things in the world I'm going to get to before I hit the ostriches, but Only it is a possibility. I have seen it as available as meat, but again, 87 other meats in line before I get to the alligator. All right, that's actually okay. That's a good question to end the positive podcast on. Weirdest food you've ever eaten? We've already done this one. What? We already did this one. We keep going. Did we? Yeah. Did we? I remember you guys got mad at me when I described eating a raw oyster as eating someone else's cold. Yeah, okay, I, that, that may have stopped that is us wild, right there I, because I don't I, think I. I don't think we were talking about the weirdest thing we ever ate. I think you were just hating on oysters, and oysters are amazing. They're not amazing. They are so amazing. God, what a terrible food take that was. Um, Fine. Uh, weirdest thing you've ever eaten, Joe. Go ahead. I don't know. I had to think about it. Uh, I've had alligator. I've had shark. Ooh. I've had shark, too. Shark is a little fishy for my taste. Um, well, I think that fish? might be that might be the weirdest thing I've ever eaten. I will, however, tell a story. My cousin okay. is a bleeding heart. Um, he loves helping people, the bastard that he is. And he was a vegetarian for the longest time. And he did a, an overseas where they, like a mission where they build schools or, or whatnot in a South yeah. American country. And I, I cannot remember what it was, but the family that he was staying at was eating gerbil. And he did not want to be rude, even though he was a vegetarian. He ate gerbil. And gerbil got him back on the meat train. Was it gerbil? No, it did not. I think it was gerbil. I don't think it was guinea pig. pig? Because I remember being, I guess it could have been guinea pig now that we're mentioning it, but I remember being horrified. (laughs) You wouldn't be horrified by guinea pig? Wouldn't it be an over Gulf expedition? Over the Gulf of Mexico? Uh, I don't know. Don't ask questions. Just enjoy the story for what it is. <laughs> the weirdest thing I've ever eaten it has to be a raw oyster. Um, Why is that buffalo. weird, though? Wait, what? Just, see, I consider oyster more weird than shark, but that's just because I was involved in the catching of the shark, so it seems more natural to eat it. <laughs> okay. I don't think oysters Whereas, are weird, just for the record. Well... I don't know. The whole other can of oysters that open up. It comes down to me as like a food texture. Like slimy things don't don't do well with me. I don't like things that are you know like if you slam the table and it jiggles. I don't like any of that. You're not you're not doing a good job selling <laughs> oysters. Mika, you have yeah, the most. Don't like Jello either. You have the most exotic name on the show, so I'm assuming you're going to have the weirdest thing. 
That's inappropriate. Uh, you might be disappointed because I'm a sheltered young man. Um, oh, gosh. Weirdest thing I've ever eaten. Uh, well, technically, we all eat like eight spiders in our lifetime, so maybe that. Probably, probably have eaten like one or two by now. I thought so. I mean, was did, the you didn't ask. Is it eight spiders? It's like eight spiders every year or something. We eat in our sleep unintentionally. I, I, I thought spiders. it was like eight in our life. I eat them yeah, on purpose. I don't know. Some people do eat them on purpose. Apparently, tarantulas are good eating. Yeah. Beth. I don't eat weird things. I was trying to come up with something, and there isn't anything. And you know what? I'm I, I'm absolutely fine with that. I think the normal okay. foods are enough to sustain me. Jack, outside of the souls of the fans that you ruin by putting up pictures of the Kings winning the Stanley Cup or Brian Leach in a Maple Leafs jersey? Um, outside of their souls? Um, probably their hearts. <laughs> the heart of an animal? No. Uh, I really don't. Same thing with Beth. I really don't eat very many weird foods. I still kind of have the appetite of a 10-year-old, so I don't really go too far outside the box of exotic stuff. So I don't really have any weird food that I've ever ate. Oh, this is Doesn't a terrible topic. Hot dog I don't know what the hell's in that. Mm, that's a good point. But I do love a hot dog. God. What an amazing How much is an MSG hot dog in, in dollars and money? Six fifty. Is it? No. I think it's like I think it's like six fifty. A beer is like twelve fifty. At the garden? No, there's a difference yeah. between foot long and half and half a foot half a foot. Oh, yeah, well, what's One the time, foot long? I was at Madison Square Garden with my buddy, and uh, <laughs> they, like, pulled out a hot dog bun bag, and the bag got sucked into the spinning machine and started melting all over the place, and then it lit on fire, and the manager went and came out and screamed, who did this? I don't know why that story <laughs> came to my mind, but it was one of the funniest things that ever happened to me in the garden, because most things are, are horrible. <laughs> Last time I was at the garden, I went uh, into the concession stand. And I was like, hey, can I get a large Pepsi? And they were like, no. I was like, what? They are like, no. So, long story short, the last time I had the garden was when that Bloomberg law was in effect for like a week. Oh. They could not, they could you not couldn't get big sodas. Soda. No. Oh. The I was like, yeah, can I get a large soda? No. Please? Huh. No. That's huh. not a good story. All right. Well, my story was terrible, too. Um, thank you all for listening. I like we apologize that story. for making you pay for this, or at least asking you to. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Igor. <laughs> yes, Igor Sheshkarin. Storkin. Why is this hard? Think of the stork, the bird. You know what? You like I'm birds. not taking lip from you about name pronunciation with Logan and Gerber and Gerby. Wow. <laughs> no. Hey, it was I am over here buttering ducks the way that I was taught as a child. <laughs> what yeah, was I saying? Calm down your hot hands. Hand? Yeah, what, what was I ride the hot hand. The Rangers are going to be doing a lot of hot hand riding in the playoffs. Uh, at least that we can all be assured of. And then Beth will be well, giggling like a little squirrel in the background. Ducks um, everywhere. Buttering ducks maliciously. Uh... Yes, we're sorry about Patreon. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Twitter.com slash Hockey Stat Miner. 
Twitter.com slash BSB. Jack, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, I don't even know. It's not easy like the other one. Yeah, C1610. I'm not going to remember numbers. What are you insane? Uh, J.M. Kenna, M-C-K-E-N-N-A, 1610. Uh, Blue Shirt Panther for me. Just go anywhere, Blue Shirt Panther. Mike, you can find on FanRag Sports. You can also find him on BlueShirtPanther.com slash Riveters. You can find Beth there, too. Both of them did very fun things about the All-Star game for the NWHL. Um, you should read that stuff and support them because they are beautiful people. Beth is not a whale, despite what Mike might tell you. Thank you all for listening. Hopefully the world isn't uh, burning with different trade moves that the Rangers are going to inevitably make. I still think Shattenkirk is a Ranger next week. We'll see if I'm right or wrong. Good night. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.